listeners, and welcome back to Next Steps with me, your host, Natalie Morris. Today, as usual, we're going to go through our introductions to our guest, our life updates, and of course, our topic for the day. I am super excited to introduce you to someone new that you have not met on the podcast before. Her name is Jenna Moore, and she has been my roommate for about two and a half years now. Unfortunately, we're no longer roommates due to me moving around for student teaching, but I can guarantee you that Jenna is such an amazing person, and we're so lucky to have her here on the podcast. Hello, yeah, my name is Jenna Moore. I'm currently a music performance student at Colorado State University. I'm also getting my minor through our LEAP program, and LEAP is an acronym for a very long phrase. It is leadership, entrepreneurship, arts advocacy, and the public, which is a very long acronym to basically describe arts management. So essentially, I'm just doing an arts management minor. So I just finished my senior recital last weekend, so that's pretty exciting that that's over and done with. And Now I get to look forward to performing with our orchestra um, in May for this big concert we have going with some music by Ravel. That's going to be difficult on piccolo, but I am looking forward to the challenge, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually got the privilege of going to see Jenna's senior recital last weekend, since now I'm a little bit closer to Fort Collins. I'm only about 45 minutes away. So it was a really simple thing for me to go up and see her, and I really enjoyed the performance. Just listening to her practice, as you know, we've been roommates for a while, and during COVID, we all practiced in our apartment. So we've really seen and listened and heard how we've grown throughout the years. It was so wonderful to see Jenna at her senior recital. Well, thank you. I'm really glad that you could make it. And yeah, I do remember the COVID days of <laughs> practicing in our rooms. I basically knew your whole concerto by the time you got to the <laughs> concerto competition because I'd heard it so many times, but that was fun though. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's one of the joys, honestly, of being a roommate of a musician is you really know the music inside and out, but it, it's still different, right? I remember when Jenna was practicing for her junior recital, because that's one of the requirements for a performance major. Um, She was practicing for her junior recital. And at that point, we were really in COVID times and really in close quarters. And so I remember hearing her perform all of this music that I'd heard hundreds of times, but hearing her on stage, you know, in a beautiful dress with a pianist, the atmosphere was so different than, you know, just listening through my wall and hearing Jenna practice her scales. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we go on to our life updates, Jenna, would you like to share maybe a fun fact about yourself with our audience? Sure, I guess a fun fact about me that's not explicitly related to music is that I really like traveling and I'm really interested in international travel, although both times that I have traveled out of the country have been related to music, but maybe someday in the future I will get to just go somewhere out of the country for fun vacation gosh i gotta get away (laughs) (laughs) yes please (laughs) so for our life updates we already heard a few of jenna's life updates with her recent recital and the performances that are coming up Um, and i have a few along a similar vein i'm helping at the elementary school to prepare some concerts for our choir and our kindergarten class and our first grade class so that's been a lot of fun 
and I'm really excited. I get to conduct one or two pieces on each of these concerts, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really get to help and be there with the kids, and it's a lot different than all of the concerts I've experienced before, but it's also a lot of fun, so I'm enjoying it. Another thing that's been happening in my student teaching is I had my first observation from my university coach in this placement, which honestly went really well. And she was very impressed by how well behaved the kids were, which I cannot take credit for. These kids are quite awesome, honestly. But it was it was awesome. And after having that observation, I realized how much work I need to do before she comes and visits again. She'll be visiting again in about three weeks from now, and I really need to get all of my assignments done. When I talk about my assignments, I'm talking about my standards portfolio, which is a big project that we do throughout student teaching, and we might actually touch on it in a future episode here. But I have a lot of work to complete before her next visit, essentially. And this also means my cooperating teacher has a lot of work to complete before her next visit. She has to do two formal observations of me teaching. And it's just a lot of paperwork, honestly, which is kind of a bummer that we have to do so much paperwork, but. Paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> On another work vein, um, I have really been hitting the job search hard. All right, listeners, I told you about my first interview last podcast, which I got the email that said I was not selected for the job, but that's okay because I thought it was a good first practice interview, so I was really grateful for the opportunity. I've heard from some sources um, in the area that I'm applying for that as soon as their competitions and jobs will start opening, and I've seen a few more jobs posted these last few days, which is encouraging. So I've just been applying to them and really trying to put myself out there and reach out and make some more connections, really. Jenna, I heard you might have secured a new job. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So I recently just accepted a job through an organization at CSU that's called the Digital Engagement Center. And this is vaguely connected to the Alumni Association at the university because it has to do with contacting donors or friends of the university to see if they'd be interested in giving a gift to the school or contributing to a student scholarship in the future. So that's kind of an area I'm excited about because obviously fundraising and Building relationships with donors is a very applicable thing to working with nonprofits in the future, which is something I hope to do once I get all this arts management stuff learned through both my minor and um, a master's degree later. But yeah, I was glad to get that position because I was kind of in a similar boat to you where I was sending out a lot of job applications and things like that. So I'm glad I finally landed one. Yeah. At least with you, when you get rejected, they tell you with me, they just ghost me and I never hear from them again, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's cruel. I was kind of thinking that this position might have um, might have taken a little bit too long to get back to me because my interview was on a Wednesday and they let me know that, well, they told me that they would let me know how it went either way in about a week. And it was more like a week and a half, maybe you know, almost two weeks that they reached out and told me that I just wasn't, um, I wasn't the candidate they were going for, which is fine. I'm glad that they said something, you know, but it was, it was kind of anxiety inducing 
to say to to be waiting so long. But anyway, in any case, I'm I'm grateful for the message. <laughs> yeah, at least you don't have to be wondering. <laughs> Absolutely. In some other news, I like I said, I got to go up to Jenna's senior recital last weekend, but my mom also came up to visit in Longmont last weekend. So that was a lot of fun, especially because my family friend that I'm staying with um, is my mom's friend from childhood. So they really had a great time together. And it was so fun just being able to hang out with both of them, have some dinner, you know, go out to lunch the next day. And it was really just a nice time. So I enjoyed um, my mom's visit this past weekend. Yep. Gotta love those mom visits. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll also be going home this upcoming weekend for the Easter holidays. So I'm excited to see more of my family. We're going to have a big party. So that's something that hasn't happened in a few years. So I'm really excited for, for this event too. On the recipe front, I've discovered a new way to make vegetables. Okay. And listeners, if you don't know me, I love vegetables. I really, really do. They're a passion for me. And also I just love to eat healthy. So I've discovered a new way of making them, which is pretty cool. What I do is I, I take my vegetables and I put them in the oven for about 10 minutes to really kind of start baking them, crisp them up a little bit. And then I'll take whatever type of meat I'm making for like, for example, recipe, I took some pork chops. And after the red, and after the vegetables had been in the oven for about 10 minutes, I took them out and I put the pork chops on top of them. Then what happened is I put the pork chops back in the oven. I let them cook and the juices from the meat kind of went down into the vegetables and made them very tasty. And it was a very simple, simple recipe. Natalie's really good at cooking. I do not know anything about cooking. <laughs> <laughs> But I liked when we were roommates, when you would find a good recipe and just tell me what to do and we could make things together. So that was fun. <laughs> Jenna and I did have several roomie dates where we made recipes together. We would sometimes buy those home chef meals or, or pre-portioned meals at the grocery store and, and make them together and enjoy some fondue. Jenna has a fondue maker, so we would do that a lot. And that was a lot of fun. I guess that is one thing I can do. I can melt chocolate in a bowl. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenna, I heard you have a new roommate. Do you have a new roommate? That was kind of a surprise because in the fall semester, Natalie and I were roommates with one other person. We were in a three person apartment. She was a theater history major. Um, and Natalie had to move out at semester because of student teaching, like she mentioned. And then the other roommate ended up having to move out because I believe the lease of the place she wanted to stay the next year because she is a junior rather than a senior. Like we are had a year long lease rather than um, an academic year lease. So she had to leave early too. So I got the entire apartment to myself for a little while, which was kind of weird, but like it was kind of lonely and nice at the same time. But then suddenly in March, which this is seven weeks into the semester, I get an email from CSU Housing saying, hello, you have a new roommate moving in tomorrow. Okay. And that was basically all I got. <laughs> um, so very quickly I had to move stuff around because I was all spread out. But my roommate moved in and she is, um, a biomedical engineering major, I believe, which is interesting because that's actually the major that my freshman year roommate was. 
but she's a fifth year senior and she seems pretty nice. It's just that I think we both feel kind of awkward about the situation. So we haven't interacted a whole lot, but other than the initial shock, it hasn't been too bad, but that is okay. Hopefully this will, this specific situation will not happen to me <laughs> next year, but we shall see. <laughs> yeah. I think that is really interesting that that you had to wait so long for someone to be introduced into your environment. And I'm sure it was a big change for you. I remember feeling anxious leading Jenna all alone in the apartment. I didn't know who or if they were going to put someone with her. And I felt bad for leaving Jenna all alone, but also it was something that I just had to do. I, there was no option for me to stay. So I'm, I'm grateful that Jenna isn't alone anymore. And I also hope that um, the, the two new roommates will be able to connect on some other level. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you mean you couldn't make that three-hour commute every day to Colorado Springs? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, with the price of gas right now, I think I'd die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like $5 a gallon. What the heck? Oh, man. Crazy. Maybe not that much, but close to that amount. <laughs> close, exactly. So moving on into our topic for today so, Jenna, as you know, every time a new guest appears on the podcast, I love to ask the question, where are your next steps taking you? So, as a new person on our podcast, would you like to indulge us with your answer? Sure, I would be happy to indulge you. So, I am planning on going to grad school right after I graduate, so... I'm actually going to do two different master's degrees, um, one for flute performance and one for arts management to get more experience in both of those areas. And it just seems like a necessary thing because most people that I know who are successful in things like music and nonprofit organizations for music usually have at least a master's degree. So that's what makes me think that this is a good move. I'm planning to stay at CSU at least for this first year. So I'm kind of excited to just kind of continue my education there. Uh, but that's kind of looking towards uh, the fall next year. And something I guess I have coming up pretty soon is I'm going to be defending my honors thesis since at, the, since at CSU, the honors program is open to any majors and you can do your thesis on basically anything you want. So what I'm doing is a proposal for a study abroad program that uh, music majors could participate in because the school currently doesn't have anything like that right now. Um, and actually the only study abroad opportunities that a music student could go on at CSU would either basically just get them extra elective credit or actually make them graduate later, which neither one of those is very ideal. So my project will involve a study abroad program that takes place during the summer in which people could actually get ensemble credit as well as music history credit. So it would actually be useful, especially for things like the music education major, which is pretty loaded in credits. So it'd be kind of nice to get three or four of those out of the way through a study abroad program. So that's something that I'm going to be defending next month. And if all goes well, I kind of hope that since I'm staying at CSU for grad school, that I may actually be able to see that project actually come to fruition and be a real thing in the future rather than just a theoretical project like it is right now. That would be so cool, honestly. And it's such a good idea too, because I know that is a something that a lot of music schools 
or a lot of music students feel kind of cheated out of because there are so many opportunities for other majors. And for us, it's just not feasible in a lot of aspects. So I think that's fantastic. Will you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this senior um, thesis? Yeah, so the inspiration from this kind of stemmed from an experience I had in high school where I was selected to be in the Lama International Friendship Exchange Band, or Life Band for short, which was a district honor band, essentially, that we had to audition for. And then when we all got together, we traveled to a sister city of Lama, Colorado, which is Chino, Japan. And we got to perform a concert there with students from Chino who went to Tokaisua Senior High School. And that was kind of just a really surreal experience for me because not only was it a culture shock just living in Japan for a month, which was very different than living in the United States in any respect, um, but then also just the experience of playing with those musicians from Japan because most of us couldn't speak the same language as each other. So there was a big communication barrier there. Yet we were able to put on this really cool um, concert for the community that had choreography and really good music and everything like that in just the span of a few days. So I was kind of inspired by the fact that music was able to let us connect in that way on an international scale. Uh, and being someone who is interested in international travel anyway, I just was interested in discovering more opportunities to do things like that. And you were kind of right when you said that music students are kind of cheated away <laughs> um, out of getting study abroad experiences because one of the things I kind of wanted to do in college was do study abroad, but then I learned through the music majors that that doesn't really make any sense with how the structure of the courses is set and the order that you have to take them. It doesn't really make any sense to do a study abroad program, especially not during the semester at all, but even the summer ones didn't seem very useful. So I just wanted to create an opportunity for more musicians to have an experience like I did and be able to play music abroad and interact with musicians in other countries. So that is where this project all started was that high school experience. Yeah. And Jenna mentioned that specifically music education was really difficult. And I have to corroborate that statement. The music education degree at CSU was built in such a way that you need to take a specific class or course after you take a different class or course. So it's very lined up that you can graduate in four years. And if you perhaps miss one class or a course or you don't do well in a class, it really sets you back. So it's quite interesting. And I would be so interested to hear how it all pans out in the end, of course. And of course, don't I don't want to grill Jenna to tell us all the details of her plan. I And I do hope that it comes to fruition soon. Um, maybe we'll have her talk a little bit about that after her senior defense. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens after I either get praised or roasted after it, but <laughs> we'll see. I think it's a fantastic idea. So I don't know why anybody would want to roast you. <laughs> well, hopefully it's good because I'm trying to think of all of the details like what would the syllabus look like? What would be a budget for it? What's some feasible ways to incorporate safety? Where's the location that's a good safety location? Things like that. That way, when it eventually, hopefully does become an actual program that a lot of those details will already have been thought out. And Jenna, I think is a fantastic person to plan all these things because Jenna herself loves to event plan, right? 
Yes, I'm currently the campus events and marketing coordinator for the liberal arts ambassadors. So I do, do dabble in the event planning in that uh, role by helping plan our team's involvement in campus recruitment events. She has a really big role in um, not only that of the liberal arts ambassadors, but also a fraternity on our campus. Is that right? Yeah, I am involved in Sigma Alpha Iota, which is a women's music interest fraternity. So all the people in it have taken a music course at some point. They don't necessarily have to be music majors, but they have to have demonstrated an interest in music in that way. So we're involved in a couple of different things through fraternity and sorority life. We try to participate in a service project each semester, and I kind of help with our involvement in that. This semester, we're trying to do a project through the Sigma Alpha Yoda Philanthropies Incorporated, which is called Bold Notes, which is essentially just a project where you help print bigger music, essentially, for people who are seeing impaired so that they can actually read music and play with, because uh, some music printing is not very accessible to them. So that's something we're hoping to do this semester. And then we also, something fun that we do is every month we'll have a little musicale before our meetings and you can either choose to perform at that if you play an instrument or sing, or you can just basically do a presentation on a piece of music that you like that fits within a theme. So that's kind of a fun organization to be a part of. And I enjoy doing that every week. <laughs> yeah, going back to the bold project with where the music is printed larger. Sometimes I feel like I need that. And you know, I, I wear glasses <laughs> and I'm but I'm still young and I can see for most of the part. But man, sometimes I try to sight read off students' music or something like that. And oh, I get it so wrong because I simply cannot see the notes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like little squiggles on the page. Yeah, some of that orchestra music too is just printed like the lines are not lined up and the notes are so small. So yeah, maybe it should be a project for just anyone to be able to see music. Yeah. Sometimes you really have to question what the publishers were thinking at that moment in time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> when it looks handwritten, maybe we need to rethink this printing. <laughs> yes. And I do want to point out something uh, that Jenna has conveniently left out about her involvement in this fraternity. She is, in fact, the president of this organization this year. So she's been involved. You've been involved since freshman year, right? Yes, I joined spring of my freshman year um, and I kind of just jumped into the editor position when I joined because the organization is small since it's kind of a specific interest um, community. And yeah, I just have since worked my way up to the president position. So I do do that now. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and I am I'm so involved. I'm a very involved person. But I never really took interest into this activity simply because as a music ed major, I had so many other things going on in my life. But I'm really grateful that this organization got to have Jenna as their president, even if it's just a year, because I think Jenna is just an amazing person. And I know I'm kind of speaking about her in the third person when she's right here on Zoom in front of me. But it feels it feels nice to know that this organization is in really good hands with her. Well, that is what I hope to maintain, that our organization stays on track with me and George. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, that's kind of what I tried to do with our CNAFME group last year. It was the COVID year, 
And I jumped in and, and started to become president of that organization. I really just tried to keep it afloat. And I have to say, I'm really impressed by what the current CNAFME president is doing in, in her, I won't call it a rule, but in her her turn at the, the presidency. She's doing so many amazing things and bringing so many awesome resources to our music education students. So I'm glad that even if I wasn't the best, you know, CNAFME president out there, I'm glad that I could help keep that program afloat so that this these people could take it and run with it. I think you did a good job in that position, though, because you're also a very organized person and let's get things done type of person. So I think kind of having that personality and kind of that responsibility was actually really good for the organization when it was the pandemic times because I feel like they kind of needed that in order to stay afloat and stay engaged so I think you were actually really good at that and sometimes the pandemic can make things very hard but you did really good. Well, thank you. I appreciate your kind thoughts. And Jenna and I are very similar in the way that we think and plan. For example, whenever we try to hang out with some of our friends, it's it's, you know, oh, we'll change plans at the very last minute, or, you know, we want to wait until we understand all the things to plan it. But Jenna and I are the type of people where we put something on the calendar and we just go with it. Like we plan it to the date, to the hour, you know, to almost the minute. And we really just kind of roll with that. So we've gotten along very well because our brains work in a very similar manner. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely need to put things on the calendar. <laughs> it's like, can't just do things spontaneous with our schedules, I feel like. <laughs> yep, I have the problem of double booking myself a lot. If I don't put things on the calendar, that's my, or one of my weaknesses. <laughs> no, that is okay. I've definitely done that before. I'm pretty sure I accidentally did that this week too. So we're going to try to fix that later. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't put it on the calendar. <laughs> have to put it on the calendar. <laughs> yep. Well, to take our conversation in a little bit of a different direction, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you're going to use your master's degree. Tell me a little bit more about this art management and, and how you would apply it to maybe finding careers in the future or what you've already done to look for careers. Sure. So some places that I've already kind of worked in because the minor through the arts management program here requires you to do an internship. I actually got the ability to do two internships one summer, so that was pretty cool in two different organizations. One was through the Longmont Symphony Orchestra, so just my local orchestra. I got to work very closely with the executive director as well as the other office staff in order to get a feel of what managing a symphony orchestra looks like and the different details that go into that. Um, like paying attention to donors and making sure those relationships are good as well as finding other ways to engage the community. Um, one thing that we were trying to do during my internship was work a little bit more closely with a local high school there and see if there are ways that we could build relationships with those students and try to keep them interested in music after high school. Um, and we also had this kind of fun project that eventually happened in the winter, but that we were trying to plan in the summer, which was having a small chamber group perform at a local microbrewery <laughs> in order to just kind of get a different crowd there, especially since microbreweries in Lamont and Colorado is a pretty big deal to a lot of people. So we're trying to reach that crowd and that eventually did happen in December. So it's pretty cool to see that project that I kind of helped start actually happen. Um, 
And then the other organization that I worked with was the National Flute Association or the NFA. And this was an online internship. So that was kind of interesting to get a different perspective there. And what I did is during 2021, um, it was still highly virtual for that organization because usually they have a convention every year for flutists because there's a convention for everything. <laughs> um, but their convention that is usually in person, they were holding online um, with different kind of guest artists and things like that. So I kind of got to help plan the details of that and proofread details with that. That's so cool. And you know, not to to plug my own university or professor, but to totally plug my own university and professor, uh, Dr. Wesley Ferreira is going to be hosting the the International Clarinet Associations Conference, um, I believe in, in either 2022 or 2023. So that's really exciting for him and for all the things there. And honestly, I wish I was still around to help plan out some of the details because that just seems right up my alley. And I would do anything to help Dr. Ferreira. So <laughs> oh, I'm sure if you put the feelers out there to say, Hey, I'd like to help with this. I don't necessarily think he'd tell you no. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but anyway, back to Jenna's virtual internship with the NFA. Yeah. So with that, I got to work kind of closely with the staff again, mostly the communications assistant in that role. So I would kind of proofread the event descriptions and also come up with ideas for the um, newsletter that would go out every week. I even tried to contact some different um, flute organizations because there are kind of flute organizations all over the country and throughout the world even. So trying to contact them to get the word out about our convention because it was open to any flutist anywhere if they wanted to register. So that was a really interesting experience to kind of getting that more event planning side of the arts management world. So I'm glad that I got to do that as well and make some good flutist connections because I do want to eventually perform in the future too. So after I get my master's degrees, as I said, I'd like to still keep flute playing in my life. So whether that's being involved in a local symphony orchestra or being involved in some sort of chamber group on my own, I would like to do that. And in addition to having some sort of executive role for maybe a larger symphony orchestra or something that I think would be pretty cool is to help plan music festivals and educational workshops around music. Um, something that I'm actually doing in one of my arts management classes right now is having a theoretical music organization that I plan for and just kind of pretend to submit grants for and things like that to just get that experience. But yeah, that's kind of been helping me figure out what that path might look like in the future. That's awesome. And you know, as soon as you said plan music festivals or educational conferences, it made me think of the the Colorado's Music Education Conference, CMEA, that happened earlier in January. Every single state has one of these conferences, right? And that just spoke to me as something that could be really fun for you to plan. And I honestly, I don't know if the entire staff of CMEA is only music educators. It wouldn't make sense for it to all be music educators because they're all so busy. I don't know how they would do it. But that that <laughs> sounds like something that would be really right up your alley, quite honestly. Yeah, actually, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about CMEA specifically before, but yeah, I'm sure they need someone to 
collaborate because there's a ton of different workshops that are offered and someone has to figure out which schools are going to perform and which ensembles are going to perform and schedule all of that out. So yeah, that's actually a really good idea as well. Yeah, and honestly, CMEA, while it is the largest conference, I would say in Colorado for sure, it's definitely not the largest conference nationwide. For example, I think that TMEA, the one in Texas, is the largest one, and it's just massive. There's hundreds and hundreds of sessions, places, events, and I that just seems like a scheduling nightmare, although it sounds like something that is a fun puzzle to kind of work out as well. Yeah, honestly, that kind of sounds like fun to me, trying to figure out where to place people and things like that. I remember to work with fancy hotels. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Exactly. (laughs) I remember being at CMEA this past January, and there was one session that had been placed in this pretty small room. And but there were tons of people who wanted to attend, like the line was out the door. And so I think not knowing much, of course, about how the event planning works, the people who put these events in different rooms have to kind of guess how many people will be interested in the session. And then they put them in rooms according to that. And this particular session, they had underestimated how many people would be interested in it. So it's kind of interesting how that all works and and the theory behind that. I'm not sure if there is a theory, you know, to to estimating how many people really would like to be there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with my experience with the College of Liberal Arts, anyway, it's kind of is a little bit of a guessing game and all you can really use are past experiences to try to guess. Um, But there's definitely been some times where I accidentally underestimated the (laughs) amount of people that were coming. Uh, for example, the we always offer liberal arts tours each semester, um, each time that there's a major recruitment event every semester. And our first one that we did, we had like maybe about ten families show up, so not too many, but um, enough to where our I think I assigned like six ambassadors because we try to make the tours pretty small and individualized. So I was like, okay, I'll just do that again but we advertised the tours a little bit better the second time. And then there was like 30 families that showed up. And so (laughs) six ambassadors that I had were like, oh my God. So we had to send in a few uh, people to help out. But I guess it's just kind of learning um, from experience and also how different advertisements of things, or maybe even if it's like for CMEA, if it's a different speaker, maybe than usual, how it might affect how people Um, attend. So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Had to call in for the the reinforcements, right? (laughs) Yeah, we we definitely needed reinforcements. (laughs) I was in like a completely different building and my supervisor was like, come back. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So so I was part of the reinforcements. (laughs) Jenna has told me some some pretty funny stories about being an ambassador to the, the university Um, The most recent one she told me was about a new liberal arts ambassador who, what was the story again? Did she walk past someone of importance and didn't know who she was? Oh, yes. So it was actually pretty funny because we were basically doing wayfinding and duties for this information fair, essentially for the liberal arts, where after a like big general welcome session, students and their families could kind of browse the different departments that the liberal arts offers. So we had a couple ambassadors out just to make sure that those faculty members knew where to go, knew where to set up their stuff prior to that session. So there were um, two women walking down the hallway and I could see that one was um, a faculty member for the 
journalism and media, media communications department just because I had seen her around before, but I couldn't see who the other woman was. And our ambassador was, oh, are you two faculty? And then the second woman shows up and it's the president of the university, President Joyce McConnell, who basically I thought everyone on campus knew who it was, but it was just very funny. She, she basically asked the president if she worked there. <laughs> and then in the, the journalism and media communications woman was like, well, I'm faculty, but this is the president. And then the <laughs> ambassador got a little embarrassed, but it's okay because President Joyce McConnell is very nice. And she was like, oh, well, I guess technically I'm back to trying to make it seem <laughs> better. But yes, that was very funny. When <laughs> I would have told stopped me you had story. I known that President <laughs> Joyce McConnell was walking down the hall. <laughs> when Jenna told me that story, I couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was so hilarious because everyone does know Joyce McConnell from the emails she sends out. And, you know, her face is all over a lot of the news that happens at CSU. So I thought that was just hilarious. But you know what? I hope that she encounters Joyce McConnell again sometime and it could become an inside joke between them. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Although she will probably never forget Joyce McConnell's face again after that moment. <laughs> yep, never again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love actually to, to give our listeners a little bit of an insight into what our degrees look like, because we are both music majors, right? I'm a music education major, and Jenna is a music performance major with a um, minor in the LEAP um, program. But there are a few key differences in our degree, and I think that's maybe something that we should share with the listeners. What do you think, Jenna? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Absolutely. So I'll go ahead and start with some of the music education related courses and, and degree progresses that happen. And then maybe Jenna can compare with some of the things that she's experienced. So with the music education degree, we have to do a lot of the basic music classes, such as music theory and aural skills, as well as music history. Obviously, these are all really important classes if you're going to become a music teacher, because you're going to need to know the context in which you're performing. You know, like if you put a Bach piece in front of your students, you're going to need to know the cultural importance of this piece. And also you have to know exactly what you're listening for, which is why music, which is why aural skills is so important. As well as music theory, you have to understand what is actually happening in the music to be able to really fully understand and teach the music to your students. So. These are these are pretty basic courses that almost all music majors have to take anywhere from performance to music therapy to music education to even BA music majors, right? Yeah, I believe they still have to take the music history and theory and oral skills because that's what one of our friends started off as before she just switched to being a double major and I think she had to take those classes. Yeah, so these are basically the standard pack, I would call them, of the music degree. And then from there, you add other classes to kind of customize the package. So with music education, the very first semester, we take an intro to music education course, which is where we learn, honestly, the bulk of our music education studies. Then throughout our degree, we start applying those in various courses, such as our methods courses, where we learn woodwinds, brass, strings, and percussion. We also take some higher level music education courses that look like secondary methods and elementary methods. We have one secondary methods course and we had two elementary methods courses, which were both intense in their own varying ways. 
And we also have to take arranging and orchestration to kind of know how to write music a little bit. But I believe that is a class that other majors also have to take, right, Jenna? Yes, I'd take arranging and orchestration as well and conducting. <laughs> yeah, can't forget conducting. The one difference I think with the music education major and the performance major is everyone has to take the beginning conducting class, but only music education majors have to take the advanced conducting course. So we've also done that in our studies quite, quite often. So Jenna, could you provide us a little bit of context and maybe classes that are specific to the performance major that I haven't included in the education package here? Yeah, so I think mostly the classes that are required of the performance majors are actually overlapping with the other degree programs like music ed. It's just uh, sometimes they'll go in slightly different directions with it and how they can be applied. So I guess with conducting, that's something that rather than actually being expected to be the one who is doing the conducting, kind of just understanding different conducting patterns and understanding what conductors are trying to get you to do as a music performance major. That's kind of what I tried to get out of like that conducting class. And then with music theory and aural skills, it's just kind of a way to better understand the music that you're performing both for yourself. And oftentimes even people who are going into music performance will eventually like teach private lessons in the future. I think music performance is also a pathway that's often used to eventually work your way up to a doctorate in teaching higher ed as well. So I think most of the classes, I'm not sure if there actually is a class that is specific to music performance that is different from what someone in music ed would have to do. It's just the application is a little bit different. And then I think also the music performance um, course schedule is a little bit lighter than what the music ed schedule is, partially because there is this expectation that you'll be practicing more often, participating in more ensembles to kind of keep your performance up and getting better in that regard. And then, of course, there's also with music ed, there's the requirement of one 30-minute senior recital, whereas the performance major has one 30-minute junior recital and then an hour-long senior recital. Absolutely, yeah. And I remember right when I first started college, I was really kind of battling my ideas of what I wanted to do because I love performing so much that I was considering a double major in both education and performance. But then I decided that instead of actually doing the double major, I was just going to try to do everything that a performance major would so that I didn't have to stay the extra semester. And I'm honestly kind of glad that I did that because I'm graduating in four years and applying for jobs is going to be a little bit more simple now that I'm becoming a little bit more free in the summer and starting in the fall. I'd have to say that I think I did pretty well with, with maintaining that goal. Um, the one goal that I definitely didn't maintain is I did want to do it both a junior recital and a senior recital. And my junior year happened to fall on a very COVID heavy year. And I just didn't see the benefit in doing a junior recital if it wasn't required. So that's one thing that um, I fell short on my plan for sure. But yeah, that is a big, it's a notable difference. And I, I think there are a few courses here and there that performance majors had to take that music education majors didn't. Um, and for the life of me, I honestly can't remember what they were. I want to say they were something like arranging an orchestration. Um, I seem to remember sophomore year, that was a thing that people had to do. There was some other type of course. 
I'm having trouble remembering what that is. So, and I'm in the music performance program, but I feel like I've always had music ed majors in my classes, but maybe there's just one that I can't remember, but it mostly overlaps for things like theory, uh, counterpoint, conducting. Ah, counterpoint. That was it. We didn't have to take counterpoint. Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. Well, that class was completely online for me, so that's probably why I didn't notice that there were you no know, music education majors in that. So, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that was the one class we we didn't have to take. Which, honestly, I'm I'm not too sorry. <laughs> yeah, counterpoint was just like music theory part two. <laughs> Although it was interesting because uh, the teacher, um, Dr. Shupu, taught it was pretty good and to where it wasn't just about the theoretical things behind the music. It was also talking about some like societal concepts that were going around with it. So that was really interesting to learn and apply it to like the history of the times in which it was developed and different kind of underlying meanings behind it. So that was really interesting to learn too. Yeah. To be honest, I really enjoyed music theory and my favorite part of music theory was when we started getting to the atonal pieces because the theory behind it was so interesting. Like atonal music can be kind of difficult to listen to, but the theory behind it, I think is so interesting. Also, uh, listeners, I'm going to have to interrupt for just one minute. If you can hear a train in the background of the podcast at any time, I apologize in the house I'm living in, the train is in the middle of the road next to the house. So it is a frequent visitor and sometimes a fun break from whatever I'm doing. <laughs> and here it is. <laughs> just like living in Port Collins on campus. Yep. Just, it's a little bit more present, especially at three in the morning. <laughs> Can you hear it? I can't hear it. <laughs> Yes, this is what wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's so funny. And listeners, I'm definitely keeping this in the podcast because I'd love for you to experience my life as I do. <laughs> in fact, I was telling Jenna just before we started this segment that I'm actually sitting on the floor of my room right now because I had to have my computer plugged in for the podcast and I have my little yoga mat and all that good stuff. So it's a different thriving. perspective. Yeah, thriving for sure. Okay, the train is about to pass, so I'll, I'll let that train break happen. Maybe that'll be a segment from now on, the train break. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what happens in the third quarter of football, or not the, the third down of football games, where yeah. there's a little train noise? To, yes. yes, honestly, and Jenna's bringing up something from marching band which is another thing to bring up about the two degrees because for music education majors, two years of marching band is required. And for performance majors, marching band is not required at all. So that's another difference between our degrees for sure. Yeah, perform for performance majors, you just do marching band for fun, I suppose, which is what I did for four years. <laughs> yeah, Jenna loved marching band. And remind me, you were the section leader for how many years in the marching band? I was a co-section leader for the piccolo and flute section for three years. Wow, that's awesome. Do you think in your graduate studies, you'll be a TA for the marching band? It is an option right now. It's something that I'm debating whether or not I should do um, because I will be having 
two degrees with different course loads with a job and then also the marching band TA. So I'm debating whether or not that is feasible to do, but I'm keeping it open as an option right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jenna's really packing it on there. <laughs> yep. It's just just like the business as usual, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, Jenna likes to stay pretty busy with her coursework. Yeah, like even though the coursework is lighter for music performance majors, I still manage to fill it up by being involved in like three different organizations. So these are the choices I have made. <laughs> See, but your resume is going to be chock full of awesome things. Yeah, hopefully it will help me get somewhere now that I've been in leadership positions in different school organizations and develop different skills. So we'll see, see how that all pans out in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your experience and all of the wonderful things that you're doing with us. And also, I just love seeing your face. I'm so glad that I'm closer to you now and I can come up and visit you or you could come down and visit me. Jenna and I are planning to visit the um, small market that is nearby. And I'm, I'm very excited for when she comes down to see that. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. It's a place that I've always heard about, but never actually gotten to go to. So yes, I'm looking forward to that. And it is very nice that we are closer to each other now. We can actually hang out more often than when you were about three hours away. So I'm looking forward to hanging out more often. And thank you for having me on your podcast. It's kind of an honor to be a special guest on something I've never been a special guest before so this was fun to talk about music things with you and yeah I look forward to uh, hearing how other episodes of your podcast go and getting to hang out with you more this year <laughs> well listeners thank you for listening to this podcast I really appreciate you taking the time to learn a little bit about what's going on in our lives and to catch up with me. Don't forget that if you'd like to leave a voice message with either some encouraging words, a question, or a comment about the show, you're welcome to. Go to the episode description, um, wherever you get your podcast, to find the link to leave a voice message. I would love to feature you as either a special listener on the very special episodes or even just a message from a friend. It would be wonderful if you would share this podcast with anyone you think would be interested in learning more about the life of a music education major or just following my career as I advance into multiple positions. Don't forget that Next Steps has an Instagram page where we update when a new episode is released and where we post fun pictures that are behind the scenes. Go ahead and like and follow us there as well as in any of your favorite podcast giving apps such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Again, thank you so much. I'm Natalie Morris. This is Next Steps, and we'll see you in two weeks.